0: The Hello Meeple's podcast, brought to you by no one in particular, with your hosts, Russell and Jennifer. Hello Meeple's, and welcome to our Halloween episode. And we're going to talk about a bunch of scary board games this time around. (laughs) <laughs> you're still awful. Let me. Yeah. Keep practicing. Keep practicing. Um so yeah, we're going to we've played a bunch of horror games. I have a bunch we have a bunch of horror themed stuff yep. here to go over. Um this is like Halloween October. That's my month. It's spooky month. I get to watch all the horror movies I want without being judged.
1: No, you're judged. Don't <laughs> don't think you're not judged. You're judged.
0: It's a lot easier to explain watching uh, Nightmare on Elm Street during October than, like, while everyone's eating Thanksgiving, though. So Or
1: Christmas.
0: Um, yeah. So I still do anyway. It doesn't matter. But we have some actually some pretty good horror-themed games here, some that we are, are familiar with, some new ones that we tried, one that I was super psyched to get to, not that I didn't enjoy playing all the other ones. One that was actually really interesting and a surprise, didn't seem like one that would, I mean, it, I did, didn't know what to think of it when I saw it. And then when we played it, it was actually really cool. So yeah. um, the first one we're going to get to here is actually probably the easiest game we have and the easiest one we have ever played. Like there, there are three, there's like three roles to this game and that's it. Um, and what's it called? You, you want to try it? What's it
1: called? Stop it. What's it called? Chupacabra. <laughs> what
0: is it? Shut I, up. I, I, and the, the subtitle is Survive the Night, but I can't really read that part there. It's a little too dark. It's actually dark outside while we're recording, so I, I can't see. What is it Oh, say? my
1: gosh. Knock it off. You're <laughs> so annoying.
0: <laughs> it's a chupacabra, Survive the Night. Um, and if you're not familiar with what a chupacabra is, it is um, it's a, a cryptid. Kind of like um, Bigfoot or the Loch Ness Monster or the Jersey Devil or the Beast of Bray Road um, or anything like that. And this one is from uh, down in Mexico and I think like the Texas border. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, supposedly pictures of it just like, you know, Bigfoot and other cryptids. Um, and it's, I can't remember what the language is, but it means like goat sucker or blood sucker or something like that. Um As Jen is, what are you doing?
1: Well, I just realized it says glow in the dark, and the dice actually glow in the dark.
0: Yeah, they just need, you know, some sunlight. Well, (laughs)
1: that's pretty cool, though. Yeah, the
0: the game, it is. It's like, it's a cool-looking nifty little box. The dice and uh, the, all it has is a bunch of dice and then a first-person token. That's it. And they all glow in the dark, so you can play it in, like, low light, no light. It's really cool. Yeah. Um,
1: I will say though, I am putting a caution out there. Our family is pretty good about like like leaving it all, you know, behind leave it at the table. Yeah. And really not like getting mad. But this is the first game where I was like, this could end our family.
0: Yeah. There 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 was some there was some close calls there. Yeah. We'll... Like
1: our son, he was a little <laughs> testy. Like when I started winning, um, he was getting a little testy and wanted to give up for a minute. I
0: mean, so this is just, this one is like another one that it's just, you know, you're, you're with your little pack, you're a little pack of chupacabras and you just roll dice and that's it. Uh, and the dice have, um, on the sides of the dice are a chupacabra side. Um, there's a chicken, a double chicken, a goat, and a cow. And like those are the different combinations. And each chupacabra, like when you, ro- everybody rolls their dice at the same time. And, when for every chupacabra, you can take a chicken or two chickens, or you can take one goat or two chupacabras. If you roll two chupacabras, can take one cow. And so it goes around. The first player gets to pick first, and they can use their chupacabras to take from other players uh, or just one player. And it just goes like that until everybody, or until one person has taken all the dice. Yeah. And that's it. And it's like the, the dice can swing around. Once somebody starts winning, it's like it's only a matter of time until they really win because they've got all the dice um but it's it's,
1: totally simple it's just a predator versus prey so it's very very simple it makes sense which
0: fits right into your aesthetics (laughs) whatever shape and form um
1: super easy it is fun and quick
0: like we got three games in like 15 minutes great yeah um so that one's highly recommended um it's it's still out there you can still go grab it a great one for uh groups Uh, For friends and stuff, you just want something simple. Um, If you have those friends where you start to look at any sort of instruction book and their brain explodes. um,
1: Yeah, it says it's up to four players, two to four. First of all, I would not want to play this with two players. That seems really boring. That would be boring. Um, Actually, I don't think even three players would be all that fun. I think you have to
0: have four. You really need the four.
1: But you could easily... like if somebody wanted to buy more than one of these games and just have more, that's all you need is just more dice. Yeah. Because you could you could easily have this be a large. Yeah, you
0: could buy two boxes and just use, because everybody gets six dice. So it's just, it's a big box to have just some dice and um, a first player piece in it. But it's, you could easily, I mean, that one is so simple. You could buy two, three boxes and just have like a big old crowd of people if you really wanted.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a fun game. It really is. It definitely brought out some competitiveness in us, but um that that I think we all knew was there, but I don't know. Kids were getting a little testy.
0: Yeah. You were getting a little upset too. We've I think. we've we've played some <laughs> We dice don't really favor me. No. Um
1: there was a lot of times that you and, and our daughter were just rolling only prey. You couldn't get a single no, predator.
0: no chupacabras, or, or as Jen calls them, ch- chuco Stop it! <laughs> You're so.
1: <laughs> um,
0: so move on. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on, um, this is a game that starts speaking my language. Starts speaking my language because I have to say that it's a, it's got some good artwork. Um, definitely my vibe. My uh, I'm a big Lovecraft fan, um, and this is also based off of what is a fun game. Uh, it's Pandemic. Reign of Cthulhu, and if you've ever played Pandemic before, I mean, you'd be familiar with it. If you haven't, you know, Pandemic is a really popular game. There's like 30 different versions of it. It's You can get it on your phone or your computer, like it's all over the place. Um, and it's just, you know, little cubes of diseases go out, and you and the other players are trying to stop the spread, and it seems pretty simple at first, and the next thing you know, there's like diseases everywhere, and you've lost the game. Um, Reign of Cthulhu is similar. Except the board isn't the whole world. It's just um, Lovecraft's, uh, what, what they call Lovecraft Country. Um, it's just the the major sites from his story. So uh, Arkham, Innsmouth, um, Dunwich, places like that. Those are like the country. So each town is like one of the countries. It's like its own region. And then each town has its own locations, um, which is where the diseases pop up. And instead of diseases, you have cultists. Of course, it's Lovecraftians, so of course you can have cultists. And then there's uh, the Shoggoths can also come out. They're kind of like a version of like a mega disease. And instead of trying to cure the disease, you're trying to close the gate that's in any particular town. So instead of getting cards to cure diseases, you're getting cards that match the color of the town. And you're trying to seal the gates um, so that whichever old one you choose, like you can randomly pick an old one and timer is going to start counting down and stuff like that. And when the old one awakens... Um, Something bad's going to happen, and so uh, the the thing that drives me nuts about this game, it's going to cause me to cause me to totally go on a tangent, is
1: <laughs> what does that? <laughs> that?
0: I'm again, I'm a big Lovecraft fan, and one of the different things about this game from regular Pandemic is that you draw an old one card. That's like the old one you're trying to keep from awakening. So, um, Cthulhu, Azathoth, Ethaqua, um, like all these all these old ones in there, and because Cthulhu has gotten so popular in like the last 15 years, um, everything, there's like Cthulhu everything. This is like the obligatory, even uh, another game. Um, I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head right now, but it has the literally named the obligatory Cthulhu expansion because you have to have a Cthulhu everything. Um, but in uh, Lovecraft's works, and I actually talk about this on the other podcast, is he didn't even refer it to like it as the Cthulhu mythos or anything which is what we refer to it now. And in this setting, one of the old ones is called Azathoth and the other one and another one is obviously Cthulhu. In this game if you awaken Cthulhu it's automatic game over. That's it. No other no other options, no like Hail Mary play, that's it. Game over. If you awaken Azathoth, there's just like a big negative thing that happens. And in the setting Azathoth, we are like his dreams. If he were to wake up, the world, the universe as we know it would end. It's like a table sweep. Like, that's where you sweep everything off the table as if Azathoth wakes up. And this did it because, oh, it's Cthulhu. So let's make Cthulhu the end of the world. That kind of drives me nuts. However, game's not too bad. Um,
1: I don't know. I'm, I like traditional pandemic more. This one didn't really stand out to me. Um, I don't know. This one this is probably not one that i I like the original. Um I like yeah. it just fine how it was
0: <laughs> there's yeah, the 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 original definitely has like that. I mean, it's a game about diseases, you know, there there's tons of Cthulhu games, and here's a game about, you know, like stopping disease. and it was, you know, a a really popular, really well done one. There's nothing wrong with this game as far as the rules or, you know, the design or the artwork or the quality. It's just. Yeah, it doesn't really grab you. Like I can play it. If somebody wanted to play it, I wouldn't mind popping it open and um like playing it or anything. But I have other both pandemic wise and like uh Lovecrafty and like Lovecraft setting games that I would rather play. Um it just doesn't have like that, it's it's kinda meh, you know. It's yeah. just
1: Yeah, this one's definitely not This is my least favorite of all the games that we're talking about today.
0: Oh, really? by well, far i thought it would have been this one because oh no this one pisses <laughs> yeah. me off it's not
1: my least favorite but it definitely ticks me off
0: this is a good one though i had this one on my cell phone actually before i even got the, the game oh, itself
1: did
0: you? that'd be fun and oh it was, it was even it was just as hard really just as frustrating hard uh this is if you haven't guessed by now this is elder sign um another game another lovecraftian game Uh, This is by Fantasy Flight. They make a bunch of different, uh, you know, Lovecraft-themed games. You can tell because they all share, like, the same artwork uh, throughout the games and everything.
1: This can have up to eight players. Yeah. Oh, gosh.
0: I said that while we were playing it. You you were just too busy dying, (laughs) being devoured. Yeah. Um, Yeah, this can have up to eight players. Um, It's another one that's pretty straightforward. I mean, you— Extremely. I think it's very simple. You lay out two rows of cards choose um an investigator and they got a bunch of different investigators each with a special ability uh, with their own different starting stuff and you just roll dice and you have to match the dice up to the symbols on each of the locations that you draw um and you either get the rewards or you take the penalty for not completing it um and rewards can being you know like a horror and lovecraftian game sometimes the rewards aren't aren't uh, can ding you too um and just like the other one you have a old one that you're trying to keep from waking, um, and they have a doom track, and sometimes the, the the penalties for the locations, if you don't get all the dice rolled right, you, ha- you move that doom track that's closer to waking them up. And if you succeed, then you tend to get, like, items or spells and, and clues and stuff that can help you uh, knock these locations out. The... The problem is is sometimes those rewards will be like another spot on the doom track or a monster showing up, which adds even more things to the cards you have to do because there's like a number of tasks on the card
1: yeah, well, and when you roll the dice, like you only have so many dice and you have to get like it's almost like you have to get it perfect every single time in order for you to yeah, be able to very limited yeah, it's really really hard and i and I would consider myself Typically, the dice favor me pretty well, typically. But, like, we just played this game, and get, we couldn't get a scroll for our life to show up on the dang dice. There's
0: times you'll roll right through a card, and then times it's like you'll need one thing, and you'll have all your dice, and you won't get a single one. And you, the dice favor you because you roll high. Yeah. But the dice in this don't, the number, numbers don't really matter unless it's the investigation, the uh, hourglass symbols. Because these aren't, again, these dice don't have just pips on them. These yeah. have the different symbols that you have to roll and match.
1: So I have a question. Yeah. I got devoured by the monster at the end, yeah. which was really stupid.
0: It's more but, of an elder deity, but okay. Whatever. No, monster.
1: Same difference. <laughs> Anyways, so I get devoured at the end of the game. However, you continued on and were able to finish beating whatever it was, mm-hmm. the monster. Yeah. So do I get the win too? No, I won. I think that that's crap. I Um, think I should get the win, too. I was the one who got most of the Elder Signs for us. I mean,
0: I will say that it probably says the players win, but no, you died. I won that one.
1: I contributed a lot to this, (laughs)
0: so I
1: think that that's trash. One of
0: the rewards is Elder Signs, and each old one, depending on their difficulty, has a certain number of Doom Tracks. Their Doom Track may be longer. They have a certain number of Elder Signs that you have to get as rewards to win the game and lock them out. And if the Doom Track ever fills up, you completely ignore the rest of the board. Now you're facing the uh, the old one. The old one's woken up, and you have this last-ditch effort as they're like crawling out from between time and space um, to try to shove them back in and seal them. And so you're just facing that one. And so every turn, instead of uh, facing and attempting to lose against these other cards, you're going to take your actions. You're going to try to roll the dice that match their symbols and remove a point from their doom track. It's kind of like they're almost like their hit points if you want to look at it that way. And you're trying to make the doom track go in reverse now. You're trying to pop those. And um, and once you do that, then you're actually able to win the game that way. Uh, but the old one's going to attack you every time, and they hit really hard. Like, they will hit you on the, on your turn unless there's something... Uh, less you, most of the time, like, unless you give up something, you know? Um,
1: I would like to point out that um, I worked very hard to get most of the elder signs while you went around and got all these little trinkets and stuff to help you. So in really, really in theory, I won through sacrificing myself so that you could win the game.
0: You (laughs) thought you were going to manhandle this game (laughs) because you underestimate Arkham games left and right. Whatever. And... You wound up like, yeah, I totally lucked into all those trophies, though. I didn't expect to have. Our, our old one was like, give up a trophy or else uh, you're devoured.
1: Which I and had so, all of those trophies, and you're like, are you going to do something with those? Well, Turn them in. Eh. And so what did I do? I got another elder sign, which made me give up. I would have won the game with you had you not been whining about using all the trophies.
0: Instead, I won it without you. So... <laughs> Uh, this has the opposite effect as the other game does, though, uh, Pandemic Cthulhu, where if your old one, if you're fighting Azathoth, okay, if you get to the point to where the doom track fills up, the old one awakens. Again, you have that last shot with all the other old ones. Azathoth, if you fill up the doom track and he awakens, there is no endgame. You've lost. Mm-hmm. Everything's destroyed. And you have to, uh, like, you have to get all the Elder Signs. And I like that. I, I like that level of uh, like for this particular game.
1: I do yeah. really like this game. We've played it a couple, a couple times. times yeah. yeah, and I played it's it a shitload hard. on my phone. It's super hard, but I really like it. And I like I like that we're trying to do it together. It's not pinning us against each uh, other. Which no. don't get me wrong, I like competitive games. Clearly, mm-hmm. I think that that's what are we? Three episodes in, I think that's pretty obvious by now. <laughs> um, <laughs> but. Um I really like that we work together. Um it's it's definitely um it's super challenging. It's it's a lot of fun.
0: It is. And it's I mean I like Arkham games though. Period. I'm a like I said I'm a big Lovecraft fan and I love like the like the artwork and all that stuff that um I mean we could spend a whole episode just on Lovecraft games on horror stuff because of how many I have. Um and they're just all different kinds, and a lot of them involve just that same thing. Like they're difficult. You expect to lose. Like it's kind of surprising that we won, because you kind of go in this going, yeah, we're probably going to lose. Um, my my win loss well, ratio for the cell phone version is like one out of every fifteen rounds. <laughs> well, so it's like
1: maybe you anticipate losing, but that's why I go after the elder signs while you're looking for trinkets. Yeah, you
0: you have a hard time with the games that you don't. Win at. <laughs> um,
1: but I do, I do really like this, and I like the fact that, um, you know, when you, I, I, like the fact that you, um, have to really strategize, like, hey, if we're getting a lot of dooms tokens or yeah. whatever they are, you know, then you've got to adjust what you're doing, um. So, and I like that you can heal in this game, even though it's challenging. I do like that you can heal. There's yeah. a couple of these games that we've played before where you can't heal you're at all and you just screwed. die. Yeah. And that sucks when they're really hard and you just die. I mean, you, you got to give heal. up
0: your turn with, to heal, which is like, you which know, is
1: really devastating. It's yeah, hard, given but. that
0: things count down like that. Like I can still hear the fricking clock ticking effect from the cell phone game whenever the the, the clock moves. It makes this tick tock noise, <laughs> and I have PTSD from that now.
1: <laughs> yeah, I definitely like this.
0: Something that's a little more competitive that uh is more up your alley is also appropriately appropriately called let's kill
1: i didn't think it was competitive i thought it was really
0: well i mean yeah i guess you don't really do much against the other person um but this is i'm gonna read what this has on here because people are going to hear this game and be like wow this is like like this is that this game alone is going to earn the um the explicit tag on this one? Oh,
1: this is, um, yeah. This is I've I read
0: this, and I was like, who made this game? Um,
1: it's kind of funny. It's kind of like on your, uh, so you just released a book, and in your book, uh, one of the reviews, somebody said that the writing of the book makes makes them wonder if you're pure evil. <laughs> and I'm like, well, whoever made this game definitely is evil and possibly a serial killer, one that we've been looking for for a while.
0: No, or- Or this is just somebody who's really into true crime or something. I don't know. Maybe. But it's, it's all, again, it's all cards and all the artwork is like stick figure art. And it's all very like tongue in cheek, very, very dark humor. I'm talking like the, the blackest coffee you can imagine dark humor. Did
1: we say the name of it? Did we say? Let's kill.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's the actual name is let's kill. Um. And they have the, so I'm actually going to read what's on the little instruction panel here. That's the first paragraph. Um, it says, grab your weed whacker and your spork in Let's Kill. You take on the role of a maniacal serial killer bent on receiving as much media coverage as possible. Let's Kill is a work of satire and comments upon the media exploit uh, exploitation of the most horrific elements of our society. I'm having trouble reading it because it's act- it's written like an instruction booklet, but then you have, like, these red-pinned-out, like, parts on here where somebody went in and wrote, like, the tongue-in-cheek serial killer stuff. Um, and they they red-pinned out, like, literally half the explanation and said, yeah, right, this is a social commentary, totally. No, we play it because it's funny. Um, it's okay, though. The guy who wrote the rules accidentally brutally drowned while taking a shower. It was tragic. Um,
1: I'm just pointing out this is the second edition so no.
0: <laughs> they actually went through and reworked this um and then you go through the instructions and the very end has a word from the designer that is it's serious they didn't scribble this one out and they said let's kill is a game about killing people there's no doubt about that however it's only a game and not a guide for life no one involved with the production of this game condones the act suggested by its content uh, it is not intended for impressionable minds by the same token this game is a reflection of the culture in which it was created its authors intend to be a commentary or intended to be a commentary on a tiny aspect of modern life in the media and a wacky, darkly humorous game, though we'll be amused if it results in legislation somewhere. Um, and you literally are taking like your you have two sets of cards. You have the Let's Kill deck and the Victims deck. The Victims deck has victims in it, which have, you know, like these kind of goofy names. Uh, there's a clown. There's a Fifi, the French maid, a local TV personality, Clarence, the door-to-door salesman, um, the President of the United States, which is actually like an auto win card if you take that one, if you get that one. Um, and then locations, um, and if locations show up, then the victims drawn go on like the locations. In the Let's Kill deck, there's events and weapons and stuff like that. You use the weapons to kill the victims, and then you get certain points for however much the victims are worth. And then various events and stuff, like media events that will add your total. Like, I feel wrong just describing this game.
1: <laughs> it It is bad. Well, yeah. I mean, like, one of it's like uh, a weapon is a pair of tweezers or a bazooka, but then they do have, like, actual weapons in here. But um, it definitely, it is definitely a game that you sit here and you're like,
0: you're Don't. contemplating what choices led you to playing this game <laughs> in your <Yeah>. life. And <laughs> I
1: will tell you right now, the choices that led us to play this game is this podcast. <laughs> um it's uh it's definitely so, one that's that's not one for kids. It's not, means. but and if we if we it's not for anybody who's uh
0: has certain sensibilities, maybe. Um it is again, it's all like stick figure artwork, so it's not like graphic or anything no, um, no, it's, it's just not. yeah, it is like it is the darkest of dark humor. um, it is a fun game for what it was when we played it.
1: I've never seen a game like this that's and and I do think that you know, by the way that the the creator wrote the instructions and their little thing at the back end of it, well, like they um, knew what
0: they were making
1: they did, and I think you know um i think in a way that they are trying to highlight probably some issues within our society glorification of i
0: all of that yeah
1: i really do um especially today's day and age with social media and everything like i mean that's one of the things that's on there is you know and that's all it's about is the glorification like i'm a serial killer and i want to get more credit i'm just trying to get my street credit but it's not even street credit it's yeah. I'm trying to get my media yeah. credit.
0: And this is a, this is very satirical. Um, but it's one of those things it's like it's it's kinda like, you know, family guy in its heyday. You either liked it or you thought it was repulsive, you know, like so
1: And I'm gonna guess about ninety percent of people out there <laughs> are gonna be repulsed by this. this is
0: You think this is even further, huh?
1: <laughs> this is this is a pretty Pretty touchy little <laughs> game here where, again, the whole time we were playing it, I kind of go, this is this just feels wrong. Yeah.
0: And every time I would read the, the flavor text, I'm like, what? <laughs> but Let's... I do
1: I do have to say, I do think it was uh, the you ended up winning this game. Um, and the way you won, I found to be pretty funny.
0: <laughs> I I had the President in my basement, and I used tweezers
1: <laughs> <laughs> i I found that to be pretty funny um so. but that was like an instant win for him, so that part wasn't very funny, but no. um not yeah, this is not a game for everybody. I would say this is probably not a game for most um yeah. I don't know what else to say about it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, like I said, I'm like, it's it was it's fun for what it is for sure. Um it definitely, yeah, like you said, not for everyone. Very heavily satirical. Um, you just kind of go have to go into this with like they're trying to, it's like trying to push buttons.
1: Yeah. It. it really feels like <laughs> that. Like they're like, how many feathers can we ruffle?
0: Oh, but it is what it is. Yeah. Either, either you'll like it or you won't, one or the other. It's just a board game.
1: But I will say I do feel good about the fact that I don't remember who I killed, but I killed somebody. It may have been the clown with a stiletto heel. Um, <laughs> I feel like that yeah. was pretty cool.
0: It's almost like an NC-17 rated version of Clue, <laughs> the way we're making it sound. Uh,
1: no, not even close.
0: Fifi the maid with a bazooka at the taco stand. <laughs> <laughs> so which can actually happen so um the one that we mentioned before at the beginning though that was a good surprise that we really liked and we are going to play this again probably many more times because this was a really good game yeah is ghost stories um and it's not at all what it sounds like when you look at it you're like why why are there like ninjas um and stuff on the front of this and it's called ghost stories um it's a board game that's actually about a lot of taoist beliefs. and it's another cooperative one, and you it's up to four players, and this is one that I would highly recommend playing with four, yeah, um, it's one to four, and they adapt to like fewer players, but I looked at the rules for it, and I'm like, yeah, it'll work, but this is just this is one of those you gotta have four yeah, just I get agree. four people one way or the another, like teach your dog to play <laughs> or you know, like go go uh, go talk to that weird neighbor or something, but like get four people to play this one, um because the board is situated around a, a three by three tile set, which is the village, which is constantly going to shift. Um, that or like each game will change; it'll shift each game, and so it's a different experience. Uh, you each have a Taoist—that's what your character your character is—and you have your character board. So there's one board on each side of the three by three tiles, and When you, uh, you can also flip the Taoist tiles back and forth. Each Taoist side has a different ability. Um, And then the main bad guy that you're going after, there's like a a stack of cards that's a different incarnation for him. So each game will be different. And the basic idea is that this village is under assault by um, this big bad guy who tried to take over the world with all the powers of hell and stuff like that. And so you have to keep fighting off the ghosts that are assaulting this village while waiting for his card to show up and then getting rid of him before the last few ghosts on the bottom of the deck show up. So it sets a timer kind of at that point. And you're basically balancing like requesting help from the villagers that are going to give you uh, like tokens and charms to use um, that help you fight the ghosts while keeping the ghosts from filling up your board and haunting the village and taking and like um, taking over too many spaces. Um, and you basically just roll dice with like different colored sides and you have to match the number of colors to how tough the ghost is. The ghost will have so many colored spots on their card to tell you um, uh, what you have to roll to get rid of them. So you kind of have to prepare for some of them, but they're the haunters are constantly going to be like going after spots on the board. You got to watch out for it was just a really good surprise for this one.
1: It was uh, it was very, very easy as far as the mechanics of it. But I found this I thought this was really hard too. like.
0: It's a challenge, yeah. Like, it starts off, you're all, oh, this isn't bad. Yeah, and, and then the all of a sudden thing, uh, you're
1: like, man, I got booted kind of kind of early. Well, I guess not too
0: early. Uh, right near the end, really. It's like, yeah, everything starts off kind of, yeah, no, this isn't bad. We can keep control of this. And then you wind up like the Winchesters in a Supernatural finale, and you're, like,
1: Yeah, it's almost surrounded. like the zombie games where it's kind of that same premise of, like, Oh, everything starts off slow. Well, you should have taken advantage of that because it speeds up real quick.
0: Yeah. And this is this one looks kind of intimidating um, because of all the, you know, the parts that are out. And then and there's really not that many components, um, but each of the each board and each card has symbols on it because they use that. They use a symbol system rather than a bunch of text for what's going on because all the cards will basically have some, do some combination of the same things. And so you see all the symbols and it gets kind of intimidating if you're looking at it, cause it looks like there's a lot going on. But once you get a few rounds in, um, it's really not all that bad at all. Mm-mm. And
1: I do feel that, um, if we had sat down and looked at the abilities of every player and had kind of um divided out roles and responsibilities within this game i think we would have done much better um yeah it was was
0: our first time playing it and it's like
1: yeah we were kind of a free-for-all with everyone
0: yeah and the i mean it has let's see let's open up the box here because we have we always have the boxes with us um it has a player aid which is super handy and It just tells you like what the village does, although it's really not hard to remember. Once you get the symbols down, like a lot of those symbol games, um, you can really, you can easily tell what's going on. And then each of the cards have something. So like the ghosts, you know, on your turn, you basically take the, there's two phases to each turn, yin and yang. And so the uh, yin phase is the ghosts. Um, The ghosts will do whatever they do on their turn. Some ghosts do something every turn. Um, And then you draw a new ghost and you have room for three ghosts on your board. Each player has room for three ghosts. Um, But if you already have three ghosts, then you lose a chi point, which is your life. Um, And so you constantly got to be keeping on the ghosts and getting rid of them. And then it'll go to the yang turn, which is then the character's turns. And at that point, you can move to another village spot, which will also put you at a certain ghost to try to exercise them. Um, and then you can take your action, which is either exercise a ghost or request help from the villager that you're on. And the ghost cards, um, they always have a certain number of symbols. There's left, middle, and right. Not all ghosts are created equal. Um, there's like five different colors, and the each one of them will have like a certain number of those uh colored spots on them that will tell you how hard they are to roll and beat everywhere from like one to like five or six and then and so some of them you have to prepare for because you only get three dice so you got to like earn up charms or like work certain spots on the board to help you out and then the the symbols on the bottom if there's one on the left side of the card it means the ghost is going to do something as soon as they come on the board it's a one-time thing um any spot on the middle means that they're going to do something every single turn. And this is usually the Haunter moving upwards to, like, start haunting a spot. Or um, they'll have this black Cursed die which sucks.
1: Oh, my gosh, Because it yeah. does,
0: like, the worst stuff. It'll take away all of your tokens that you've earned to try to help out. Or it'll cost you a Chi Point, or it'll automatically haunt a space. Like, the Cursed die sucks. And you can have multiples of these ghosts on your board. So if you have, like, two ghosts with a Cursed die on it, you're rolling that bad boy twice. And then if there's anything on the right, then it is a reward or curse for beating them. Sometimes it's a reward. You get something good. Every now and then you'll actually have a bad thing on there you got to worry about, which, again, sucks. But uh, that's what happens, I guess, when you're fighting ghosts. But this was a great one, and I'm really looking forward to playing this one again.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I really like this. I think a couple takeaways that I had, again, I think. Having roles and responsibilities, like, it's a co-op game, and I think we could have been more co-op, but we were all kind of... Instead of
0: yelling finish. at each other. <laughs> I was <laughs>
1: yelling like, at each other, but... <laughs> to,
0: to, like, no, just do this. We need this. Do it.
1: Yeah. Um. But the other thing is, is the gosh, everybody's kind of got to take care of their own board because... As soon as you go over to help somebody, then your board's out of control.
0: Especially if you get hit with, like, a tough ghost.
1: Yeah, or the double spawn or whatever it is. Yeah, sometimes
0: they'll come out and their automatic board action is to draw another ghost. Yeah. And so that one turn, you're now two-thirds full. God help you, if you only had one spot left, now you're losing life.
1: Yeah. I think the other thing is, is I don't think we use the villager pieces enough. Um,
0: Yeah, we only use, like, two or three of them. There's nine uh, village spots. And we only repeatedly used like two or three of them trying to like stay above water.
1: Yeah, so I think, I think, yeah, I would definitely like to play it again because I think we got a lot of good learnings off of it. But definitely a really, really big surprise. Really good game.
0: And then my highlight of the show, my favorite one, um, is the one that is, is kind of like a, a, a big one. It's uh, this required building time on my part. Uh, um, i had to, i'm sure
1: that that was so <sighs> traumatic for you
0: it it was it hurt me deeply um we of course if we're going to play horror games um i got my hands on a copy of um of cursed city by games workshop so that is um basically a warhammer board game but you still get the like you know the really high quality figures they got and you have to build them and paint them um but it's a board game and it's kind of a dungeon delver like descent or um mice and mystics or or Gloomhaven or anything like that. But it's a lot more simple than those. Um, because instead of having just a campaign, like, yeah, you're on a big quest to defeat, you know, this this vampire ogre. Like how many games do you fight a vampire ogre? Um, who's can, taken control of the city? He's controlled it for a long time and now it's gotten to a point to where it's like everybody is there's blood running in the streets and skeletons are the only guards and it's just gotten terrible for this city. And so you're going out there to try and, uh, and defeat him. But before you can do that, you have to get through all of his lieutenants. One of those lieutenants has discovered uh, a way to make phylacteries for everyone. And so even though they may show up on the board with your random enemy draws, you defeat them and they just come back to life. And so you have to figure out a way to kill them permanently and work your way up to the main guy. And so when you do this, you're not just going through like a set set of quests or missions or anything that are written out. There is uh, styles of journeys. You have one quest that you're on, kill the vampire ogre, and you go through different journeys to get there. And you can either do a hunting-style journey where it's like, let's kill a bunch of his minions um, and clean up the streets. Or you can do a scavenge journey, which is let's go find, you know, treasures and equipment and stuff to make us stronger to go fight him. There's uh, deliverance journeys where you're trying to, Get people out of the way. You know, they work in stuff from the Warhammer um, setting and everything, even the game itself. And in the tabletop game, there's um, spells that stay active on the board. And that spells in the game, they have their own models and stuff like that. In this game, one of those spells, uh, the Tide, is used. And you just get a token for it. And it's basically this wall of corpses and soil and cobblestones and everything just churning up and defends this, uh, like the, the, the top areas. Of this vampire ogre and so you basically have to get past those to get to his lieutenants and then you all like it also just kind of makes its way around the city in these areas and so you have to go rescue people so you can go rescue people and get them out of the city and it's like on that point instead of building the map like you do for the other ones you actually use a deck of cards and you flip that card over and it gives you the tile piece you're on and bad guys are going to come onto the board and you got to fight your way through them as well as getting people out and then getting to the next tile, flipping a card over and putting another tile down that it shows you before the grave tide catches you. And so it's kind of like a race to, it's, it's a race one. And it's, we haven't done one of those, but I'm like, that sounds really hard. Yeah. <laughs> and you have to do one before you can go on the fourth type of mission or journey, which is a decapitation journey, which is a specific map and set up to take out one of the lieutenants. Um, we played it. It seemed pretty straightforward. Like the hardest part was getting the board set up. And ready to go. Once you do that, you're just rolling dice and then spending them as your actions.
1: Yeah, this was definitely a game more up your alley. Um, I would want to play it again though, because we just played, didn't we just play like the introduction?
0: Yeah, we just played the first journey, so, uh, which they recommend a hunt journey, I believe. And so that's what we did because I was like, ah, let's get in here and kill some shit.
1: It was a little it was there wasn't even that much to kill. It was really really kind of slow. Um, I would really want to play. Are
0: you saving that for now? you saving you dropping that bomb on me right here on this show.
1: Yes. <laughs> I think we should play again, but play an actual mission and see how it goes. Because here's the other thing. We also were really lucky, and I acknowledge this. We were really lucky on the monsters that we drew because the last guy who came out was, like, overpowered and we sucked.
0: Well, not overpowered. He was a tough one. We kept getting like the minions and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, so I think if we if we try again and try to a, a main, you know, a mission that's actually making progress, we'll see how it goes. The, that, that one type was of game, making progress. Was it? That
0: was that was the first mission. We were level zero playing the first mission oh. or the first the first journey.
1: Well, we should try one more time. Either way, this is more probably your game style than mine.
0: I'm still going to paint all of these figures. They're amazing. I know. They look great. I'm going to find, and I don't care. Maybe that
1: was it. Maybe I couldn't get into it because you hadn't painted them yet.
0: I can take care of that. I will take care of that before we play it again.
1: Uh Uh-huh, yeah.
0: I will forsake everything else.
1: No, you will not. (laughs) I've already given your prioritization list of (laughs) everything you have to do.
0: Until I paint that freaking Cursed City set because that's a cool setting. It's a cool game with great frickin' pieces. I'm like, you. one of your pieces, or one of your characters can be an, an, a living ogre that's grown a taste for undead flesh and ectoplasm. So that's the whole reason he's there.
1: I like the troll.
0: Like, how cool is that? The Dwarf. Thank Dorf. you. Dwarf, okay, sorry. Thank you.
1: Sorry. Apparently, <sighs> I, I offended all dwarfs out there. Well, all trolls out there as well. Sorry.
0: You insulted like half of fantasy everything <laughs> you're a horrible human being you are the reason that elves hate us
1: oh my god
0: so anyway it uh it is like i said it's kind of it's it's a good sized box it's heavy it's got you know a lot of components and stuff in it it's but the game itself is not it's got cool little things at the end of every round you'll have a random event happen um, it could be depending on how you roll. This is definitely one with you know, like just higher rollers do better in general. Um,
1: I did like that.
0: <laughs> so I did that, like that. That where, the dice are back on your side.
1: No, um, no, because I was rolling really bad. Oh, um, but when I I did like that, depending on what your roll, that kind of set up where you were going and what yeah. you were doing. But I'm not big, although there wasn't a lot of story to it. If there was, you weren't reading
0: it. To no, because there's not a campaign in a sense that the story is being driven by each individual quest. You're trying to get to this, to this yeah. to the, to, uh, the vampire ogre at the end. You're trying to get to Radagar. Yeah. And so I, basically it's like you're deciding how are we going to do this? Because if you ever get to a point to where the fear and the influence that you have to balance in the city because there's still living people trying to eke out some terrible existence there, um, if the fear ever hits, if the fear score ever hits 10, it's game over. If the influence score ever hits 10, it's game over. So you kind of have to balance, um, you'll have choices to make during certain events and different crises that happen and stuff like that. Um, so doing, completing certain missions, like the one we completed lowered the fear or lowered the influence because you killed a bunch of his minions and stuff like that. But it raised the fear level because now the populace was like, oh, these heroes are out helping us, but does that mean he's going to take it out on us? You know? So you have to balance that because if they ever hit 10, you got to start the journey over, the quest over.
1: Yeah. So. I did like, though, like I said, how the game was very dynamic and did respond to like whatever you were doing and how, you know, whatever you rolled or whatnot, depending on where you were. I did like that. And I know that there's a lot of games like that, but this one, um, it would really throw in, I or love, at least it tried to.
0: I love maps and miniatures. That's yeah. just my thing. Probably should have named the podcast that, Maps and Miniatures.
1: No. No. It's a bad.
0: No, it's not. Maybe I'll make my own board game called Maps and Miniatures.
1: Okay, you work on that. Huh? Okay.
0: Yeah. we'll stick, I guess we'll stick with Hello Meeples then. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, if you like what you heard here, um, go check some of these games out except for Curse City. I think that's hard to find. I kind of lucked into one that wasn't, like, overpriced and on, like, eBay or anything. It was a limited release. Apparently that made some people quite upset. So, um, otherwise, go check some of these out. I will update you on when I force everyone to finish playing Curse City. Um, I'll record... I'll try to record Jen Cussing the next time we play... Um, <laughs> the next time we play uh, Elder Sign. And... Stay tuned for the next episode, and we will see you all next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. The Hello Meeple's Podcast. That's all for now.